as a kid, uh, I always had a passion for the business. Um, I would spend more time studying airline timetables and taking my bike to the airport to watch airplanes land and actually, you know, study. The hardest part for for uh, guys like me and the team is we like to plan. We like certainty. We like predictability. We like to know what we're dealing with. We like to have a roadmap. We have no roadmap. But it's definitely going to be, uh, you know, a three to five year timeline to come back to 2019 numbers. Uh, and uh, it's going to be in, in you know, 2021 uh, may look a lot like 2020. But hopefully, you know, these vaccines are effective and start, uh, you know, facilitating a reopening. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Shape the Future. Um, today's topic is the new normal for airlines and we're joined by a really great guest today. Um, Mark Gallardo is the VP of Network Planning and Alliances of Canada's largest airline, Air Canada, and was a 2019 honoree of Canada's 40 Under 40. Mark, firstly, congratulations for that award. And secondly, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. It's, a, it's really a pleasure to be here today. Going back to the, to the beginning of, of your career within airlines, did you want to tell us a bit about how you actually got into the industry in the first place? Sure. My, uh, my story is a bit uh, unconventional, if you will. So as a, as a kid, uh, I always had a passion for the business. Um, I would spend more time studying airline timetables <laughs> and taking my bike to the airport to watch airplanes land and actually you know, study. Uh, and my parents always told me if you spend more time, you know, uh, studying and actually doing your homework, you'd actually get better grades. But, you know, my interest really was in the aviation business. Uh, and it's always been a hobby of mine since I was, uh, you know, basically a teenager. Um, I start working at the age of 18. I start working at the airport uh, for an airline called Northwest Airlines. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, now obviously acquired by Delta as a check in at the check in counter. And I just absolutely loved it. Uh, and then at the age of 20, um, I had a stroke of luck. My seatmate on a flight uh, from Boston to Montreal was uh, a VP at Air Canada. Mm. And uh, I just start absolutely quizzing that person <laughs> like crazy. Uh, you know, why don't you fly this route, that route, the other route? And he's like, you know what? Enough questions come in. Uh, he made me meet uh, various people internally and they, they hired me for a summer intern job at the age of, of 20. And ever since then, I have progressively taken on more and more uh, at the airline. So it's now embarking on my 17th year. Oh, nice. So uh, you've uh, got quite an extensive CV when it comes to um, <laughs> airlines then. Yeah. And the last uh, two years have been incredible. Um, I've, I've had to deal with two, you know, with my team, we've had to handle two major Black Swan events. We had one, the, um, the grounding of the 737 MAX. And as you know, Air Canada was a major uh, operator of the 737 MAX mm -hmm. uh, and that happened right before our, our summer season and now obviously COVID. So the last I would say 24 months have been unique. Have they uh, have they gone slowly or have they gone really quickly? Both. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. talking talking to the last couple of years so so did you want to sort of say a bit about um, your role of, as VP of network planning and alliances and what that sort of entails? Sure um, so uh, over the last, let's say, um, 10 years, uh, you know, I, I was promoted VP four years ago, but I've been 
in the network team for, I would say, you know, 12, 13 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've been in various senior roles uh, in network planning, but our job, you know, the last decade for Air Canada was a, a decade of tremendous, tremendous transformation into one of the world's top global airlines. We started off from an airline that was basically uh, an airline that was mostly focused on the Canadian market to becoming a global champion, you know, serving all six continents. We doubled the size of our wide body fleet. Uh, you know, we, we grew three hubs uh, in Canada to be globally competitive in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. We added something like 60 new international routes. Uh, we did incredible things that when I look back, I'm just like, I wish I could go back there. Uh, so a lot of that, you know, as VP of network planning, you're basically in charge of deploying airplanes globally to make sure that you're deploying them in the place that's going to give you the best bottom line. And also the best, uh, you know, it's not just always bottom line, but there's also strategy also that's included in that. And in alliances, it's more, uh, uh, you know, for our global aspirations, you know, we need partners globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need partners to help us in various markets. Uh, so we have, uh, we're part of the transatlantic joint venture with A++, with Lufthansa, the Lufthansa Group and United. And we get to, you know, leverage Lufthansa strengths in Europe and we get to leverage United strengths in, in the USA. Uh, and all these partners, you know, help us sustain a, a large global international network. So alliances and network planning, there's a strong, strong relationship there uh, and, and interrelation as well. So it's uh, quite, uh, quite an interesting time to be uh, in this role right now. Yeah, but, and on that point where you say about alliances and working with other airlines, how much do, because obviously airlines are competitors in their own right different airlines you're fighting for for customers but how much do you actually interact with with each other in terms of best practices and sort of dealing with like the current climate for example yeah no it 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 there's uh there's various levels of cooperation so with uh you know Lufthansa and United we have antitrust immunity so we can talk and collaborate on many many different topics whether it become that we're planning or whether it be how we approach the market from a revenue perspective, mm-hmm. um, uh, but we always exchange on, on best practices. Uh, and other airlines, because we don't have that same antitrust, we have to be careful in what we say, but we are a member of Star Alliance, uh, which is the, the, the world's largest alliance. I think there's 25 members uh, now. And obviously we use that forum to see how other airlines are handling um, you know, this crisis, but you know, also their future outlook and other innovations. So. Uh, you know, we're certainly there in the global arena of airlines. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. And mo- moving on to sort of um, the, the current climate that we're in, obviously, airlines are such an important piece of infrastructure for both the country itself, but also connecting Canada to to the world, as you said. Did you want to sort of give an idea of just how big the impact has been on airlines over the last nine months for, for someone that maybe isn't in industry? Sure. Uh, okay, so I'll bring, I'll bring it back to our situation, then I'll kind of expand it a bit. Uh, but this is really unprecedented. Um, you know, we've gone through, uh, you know, uh, other pandemics like uh, SARS and H1N1 and Ebola and all this kind of stuff. And we've been through the great financial recession. We've been through 9-11. This is something I can't even describe what this is. Uh, never did I think in my wildest dreams that borders would be closed and that I could not get on an airplane and leave my own country. That's just something I never thought would be possible. Uh, when the pandemic first hit, it was basically trying to catch a falling knife. Um, and to the point where in April and May, we were carrying roughly 3 to 4% of our normal passenger volumes. 
And this summer, we were under 10% of our normal passenger volumes, and that's been the run rate ever since. So, um, uh, you know, we had days in the summer where we typically would carry north of 170,000 customers a day. I think the top day we had was just north of 20,000. Uh, it goes to show you the level of devastation. In fact, I, I joke with my colleagues internally, we've, I now report to the cargo business because that's the only part of the business that's still uh, you know, thriving at this moment. And a lot of our long haul operations are being sustained by, um, by cargo. Um, so that's basically the, the story globally. Um, uh, you have other jurisdictions um, that are more liberal and less sort of uh, restrictive. So for example, in the U.S., you did the three major uh, airlines and all the low-cost carriers based there, Southwest, Spirit, JetBlue, um, haven't had to deal, have a much larger domestic market mm-hmm. uh, uh, and don't have to deal with uh, as much border restrictions and quarantines, 14-day quarantines. So they've had, let's say, you know, they've been severely impacted, but a little bit less than us in Canada where we have quarantines within the country. We have a total ban on foreigners coming into the country and the land border between Canada and the U.S. is completely shut, which is unbelievable. Uh, I never thought that our closest ally and diplomatic partner, main trade partner, we'd have a a closed border, which is now approaching close to 10 months. Uh, so this is really, uh, really, really unprecedented, and the toll it's had on airlines is uh, is, is is just unbelievable. Um, you know, in in the second quarter, you know, we we were basically burning north of uh, you know twenty million dollars a day in cash, so almost a million dollars an hour. Um, so we would joke, you know, we you know we would joke in meetings, you know, this one hour meeting, you know, you know, cost us almost. Uh, uh, you know, God knows how much money just sitting here in this meeting. Mm. So, um, so yeah, like this is, this is really something that's unbelievable. And the hardest part for, for uh, guys like me and the team is we like to plan. We like certainty. We like predictability. We like to know what we're dealing with. We like to have a roadmap. We have no roadmap. We have the promise of a vaccine, uh, you know, which is very, very positive. Uh, but Predicting the future right now is, is challenging, very challenging. And there's no uh, clear roadmap of how we're going to exit this crisis uh, by government regulators you know, be, and health experts globally. So that's, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, concerning, definitely concerning. No, no absolutely. It's, uh, I think, as you say, that until you hear numbers like that, 20 million a day, you don't quite grasp just how big an impact on these organizations that this pandemic has especially in your industry and Absolutely. how how important is it for airlines to try and put themselves in the best position for after the pandemic whenever that will be i suppose it's not just trying about it's not just about trying to necessarily stay afloat but to try and then remain competitive with worldwide carriers sort of after and looking into the future yeah, and, and that, that's a good point. Uh, so we're taking this time right now to restructure the airline to be uh, leaner, smaller, but more competitive as we come out of this. Um, but there's also a different dynamic here in that, you know, as we are a global airline, uh, we're going to be competing against airlines who have received significant government, uh, you know, subsidies or low interest loans to sort of bridge them through this period. Yeah, of course. And state-owned carriers that don't have to worry about their financial condition. Uh, you know, they're just basically in, um, you know, sort of on pause until the market comes back. Uh, we are the only uh, uh, 
sort of Western-based airline, I think that has not yet received any kind of government support. And, uh, and that puts us in a position of relative competitive disadvantage. Mm. But we're optimistic, you know, that the business will come back. Uh, we're optimistic. I mean, if, if I can just sample my network, everybody cannot wait to fly, to go back on vacation, to travel. I think that's going to continue. Here in Canada, we have a very multicultural population. Uh, our, the city of Toronto, for example, 50% of the population was not born in Canada. Uh, and they have family and relatives globally. Um, so we think that that part of the business is also going to be very resilient uh, as you know we start looking at the post-COVID environment. But it's definitely going to be uh, you know a three to five year timeline to come back to 2019 numbers. Uh, and uh, it's going to be in, in you know 2021 um, may look a lot like 2020. Mm-hmm. But hopefully you know these vaccines are effective and start uh, you know facilitating a reopening. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, I think I speak for the whole population. Is the vaccines can't come quick enough? Um, yeah. but, so, to, on, on that point, in terms of the what you call the new normal, so moving forward, how big do you think the changes will be for airlines? And you mentioned obviously you've sort of scrapped your roadmap to start with. You don't have anything in terms of that. Are you sort of are then started from scratch in terms of um, imminent investments, innovation, that sort of stuff? No, um, you know, like we here at Air Canada, we, you know, we, the bones of the company are extremely strong. We have a very uh, competitive fleet. Um, you know, uh, Ben, I'm not sure if you follow us all that much, but, you know, we're, we uh, have transformed our, our wide body fleet. And now we're about to transform our narrow body fleet by bringing in, you know, the A220 and the 737 Max. Uh, we have a very strong foundation to work with. When we talk about the new normal, the outstanding question for us is, what is business traffic going to look like going forward now with Zoom and WebEx and Teams? And you probably heard some of the comments that Bill Gates made last week saying, at best, business travel will come back to 50% of its 2019 uh, levels. I personally disagree with that. Uh, I know a lot of people that, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, who do business, uh, and if they're not there in person, they risk losing a, a major contract and things like that. But, um, you know, that's a big question mark because a lot of the um, uh, premium airlines with premium offerings are dependent on, um, on, uh, on business customers. So the question, that is an outstanding question. Uh, and that, you know, could be something that we need to pivot on and uh, reduce our dependency on business travel and overall on leisure and VFR traffic, as we talked about. Mm, I think, like, your, your point there is key because as you say, Bill Gates says one thing and then people in the industry say other, no one knows no exactly. one predict just what level it's going to go back to. No one knows. Cause I mean, I, I have colleagues that say in previous jobs, they'd be flying all around the globe all the time. And they, they, they say there won't be as many of those jobs in the future, but as you say, that human interaction isn't going to, going to be completely lost, but it's sort of what extent is it going to come back? Um, so no, I, I completely agree. Um, and and obviously it can all be sort of, seen as doom and gloom in terms with airlines um given that sort of both during and post the pandemic you're you are going to be one of the worst hit industries is it important for airlines then to stay positive and still look to the future obviously i know there are sort of bits of good news coming i know that air canada have recently resumed flights to hawaii so there is sort of gradual stuff coming back Oh, and I, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to bounce back. I'm optimistic that the industry is going to bounce back. 
we have taken the last, uh, you know, my team in particular has taken the last, let's say, five months to look how to transform the airline to be fit for the post-COVID environment. We've made various uh, fleet moves, various, we restructured the route network. We're looking at all of our partnerships and seeing which ones are the most effective and where we could leverage other partnerships. So we're, we are actively uh, thinking about the post-COVID environment. And from a personal perspective, that's giving my team the motivation to power through this, is to think about the future, be prepared for the future, be optimistic for the future. It gives you something to be excited about especially in this period of significant uh, doom and gloom. So I'm, I, am, I am definitely optimistic, but you know, I have to sort of put myself uh, in check sometimes and realize that it's, gonna, it's going to be a long process to get mm-hmm. back to uh, quote-unquote normal. Yeah, no, I agree. And to, to that point, I know, like, for example, me and you, we can't wait to go abroad again, but there are going to be a lot of people that are maybe hesitant to, to book travel as we don't have necessarily a specific idea of when, restrictions will lift and go back to, to to normal as such what can airlines and people in the industry do to sort of remove some of that hesitancy and reassure passengers once restrictions are lifted I'm, I'm assuming this is where sort of customer engagement and interaction plays a key part in your success going yeah, forward absolutely well a couple of things um so firstly you know we've a lot of a lot of different people have done different surveys about intentions and Will you fly with a vaccine without a vaccine? We, we strongly believe that the biggest uh, inhibitor of travel right now are border closures and tra- travel restrictions and quarantines. Okay. You know, we think that the significant portion of customers are convinced that traveling on an airplane today with the additional biosafety measures that we've taken and implemented makes travel relatively safe. But would you travel for a three-day vacation if you have to stick locked in your home for 14 days? So that's, that's obstacle number one. But I think the biosafety um, sort of trend that has uh, taken its place since the inception of COVID will continue for the long term. Mm-hmm. So here at Air Canada, we've adopted something called Clean Care Plus, where you got uh, a mask, a hand sanitizer, and, and various, you know, we, we do spraying of the airplane to, uh, to disinfect it. Now, I think a lot of that will stay in place for quite some time and other biosafety measures that are taken at the airports. So, um, you know, it's, it's too difficult and unpredictable to speculate what that's going to look like in two, three, four, five years. But that trend, I think, is here for the long term. Um, to that point, in travel in general, I think um, sort of likening it to the underground system that we have in the UK, I think things like masks and stuff, they are going to be here for a long, long time. If they, they may never um, disappear in that respect. Um, so hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, yeah. I think there's the, so some of the pandemic has sort of highlighted just generally how everyone needs to improve their general cleanliness, I think, and sort of hygiene and stuff like that. So um, it's, if there's any positives to take out of the situation, then that could maybe be considered as one of them. And sort of lo- looking as, as difficult it is to look post-COVID, what, what do you see as the sort of future of travel? So in sort of five, 10 years, how do you think travel will have evolved? And, and what do you see in the industry if there was sort of an art of the possible? Um, no, I, I think there's a very bright future for travel. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, the current, uh, you know, the, ge- the current generation, the younger generation have uh, a significant desire to, uh, to travel. 
uh, and we see it in the intentions of, of our customers as we as we survey them that there's a strong desire to return to travel as soon as this pandemic is uh, you know sort of waning down. So I'm I'm very optimistic that you know leisure uh, travel in general, uh, visiting family relatives travel, that's that's going to continue to blossom. Um, you know, uh, you know, I think going forward, another sort of major consideration are going to be environmental concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that could sort of uh, limit uh, the scope and size of the airline industry a little bit or force us to innovate that much more. So uh, that's going to be another concern. I think at some point in this decade, we're going to have to take more seriously. And that's going to definitely have an impact on um, how many routes there are, you know, the, the affordability of travel. Uh, et cetera. And you can see in various places, they're looking at additional eco taxes and um, emission standards and, and sort of all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's what I think is the next frontier that the industry is going to have to take on once we're past this pandemic. Mm, no, I agree. And as, as you say, like there's so many people that can't wait to get back to traveling as sort of like a, a final question to finish up a bit more lighthearted as someone that works for Canada's biggest airline where is your favorite place to travel on vacation and why without a doubt Italy um love the country uh, I speak the language my nice. uh, my grandparents immigrated from uh, from Italy uh, to Canada in the 50s uh love everything about the country the food the history uh the wine the beaches the people the language the culture I go at least once or twice a year and I, it's, it's killing me that I can't go in 2020. So I just can't wait to get back there. Nice. Where, um, whereabouts in Italy do you normally go to? Everywhere. Uh, but you know, my, my place is, uh, is Rome. I uh, just love that place. Yeah. Oh, nice. I've not, I've not been yeah. considering I, I live so close compared to you. I've, it's, it's one place I've been to Milan, but, but not to Rome. Um, yeah, th- that's, that's all I've got in terms of, terms of questions today, Mark, it's, it's been a, been an absolute pleasure to, to have you join me. I, I hope you've enjoyed um, the conversation as much as I have. I'm sure the listeners and, and myself have gained, gained a lot of insights from it. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. And I, I look forward to connecting with you soon. Um, fingers crossed we can get back to traveling as soon as possible. Absolutely. And thanks again for thinking of me. Thanks. No problem. And that is the end of another episode and the penultimate episode of Let's Shape the Future. Big thank you for listening. Um, next week is obviously the final episode of Series 1. Um, and we have a really inspirational guest, um, Sean Holden Chung. Um, founder of Raising the Village will be joining me um, so please keep an eye out for that episode and as always if you do have 30 seconds please leave a review on the podcast it's massively appreciated have a good week guys